0: Broadcasting live from the Silver Cup Apartments, this is Pop Culture Reference, your one-stop reference for all things pop culture. I'm one of your hosts, Seamus Connolly.
1: And I'm your other host, Garrett Strother.
0: How do you do, Garrett? How are you doing this week? We're kind of getting into the spooky season a little early on the show, but I'm, I'm really happy to kind of get into
1: it. Me too. Um, I'm also realizing that my name in the intro should have been Turd Ferguson, so...
0: You are an absolute fool. How dare
1: you? That was really, that's really disappointing. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about Malignant uh, for our main segment. I am excited about covering more spooky stuff coming up. You know, I know we've got the Bonds coming up the next few weeks, but you know, after that, it's, it's Halloween time, really.
0: Yeah, this is our, this is our scary little appetizer before we, before we get back to it later, but it's a, I think it's a fantastic one to start on, and I'm, I, like you said, I'm excited to talk about it.
1: But let's uh, first discuss what we were alluding to earlier, that comedy legend Norm MacDonald has passed away. Probably best known for his time on Saturday Night Live and his role in Billy Madison. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Honestly, I, I have been watching compilations and supercuts of Norm MacDonald for days now. It's just I was crushed when I heard that he had passed. He was hiding cancer for like 10 years and that's why it was such a sudden departure nobody really knew what was going on but you know he till till the day he passed he was making incredible content and just being one of the funniest classic comedians alive and i i will laugh at nothing harder than him very adamantly getting himself fired from snl by not letting up on oj simpson jokes for for so long. It was just comedy gold.
1: You and I were talking about this a few days ago, how Norm Macdonald is definitely a comedian that when you're in high school, you feel like you like discovered Norm Macdonald. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Because I feel like people older than us are much more familiar, I think, with his work. People who, you know, remember him being on SNL, remember the, the film Dirty Work and Billy Madison. Stuff mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And Also, like, we've been having to do a lot lately with uh, people who are acknowledging their passing, we're kind of having to navigate this situation where, you know, a lot of people are coming out now and talking about how Norm Macdonald sexually harassed them, and that's really not cool and unfortunate, and it's kind of hard when we're so inundated with all this praise, like you're saying, super cuts and clips, and praise being thrown around. And I mean, Norm MacDonald, Norm MacDonald was a great comedian, but we also have to acknowledge the other side of that legacy. And that I think is being talked about less.
0: Yeah, that's, you know, for, you're completely right. For as much as I say about how, I mean, incredible he was as a comedian, he definitely has, you know, problematic things we need to confront that are, you know, inseparable from that, comedy persona that he's been more famous for all these years and you know he he was truly like a an incredibly famous bastard even in his you know professional uh, persona so i guess it's a little a little heartbreaking to then also think about how he was a bastard in real life and how that take away that comedy behind anything like that and it is just like bad behavior and inappropriate in any era of of time and any space of entertainment industry or not.
1: Well put, Seamus. Thank you.
0: But on to our next piece of news here. We have gotten our first look at the Bradley Cooper Guillermo del Toro horror thriller? I I'm not sure. We got a trailer for Nightmare Alley.
1: Whatever genre the shape of water is. That, that is
0: this <laughs> <time>. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's 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 not quite horror, but it's just like creepy, I guess.
1: Like neo Gothic thriller, I guess yeah, I don't know.
0: Yes. Willem Defoe is here though. I'm really happy to see him again. We were just recently talking about how much of an absolute treasure he is, so you know, the more I see of him, the better, truly.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a great cast. Rooney Mara, um, Cate Blanchett, mm-hmm. David Strathairn, Richard Jenkins. Really really a great cast. A lot of Del Toro, you know, a lot of people that Del Toro has previously worked with, but also a lot of new faces for him. And I really liked The Shape of Water, so I'm excited to see his follow-up to that.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. It, I think that I, I enjoyed The Shape of Water a lot. I like the vibe that this trailer's given out. It's very, you know, I ju- I think Bradley Cooper's just a talented actor in general too. I think he, when he can do like a darker, twisted Dor- Del Toro style thriller role, I think that's interesting. I'm still not quite sure anything that this movie's about. I think I think he has like psychic powers, but it's not quite clear.
1: Yeah, I, 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 don't know. Uh, so it seems to indicate that Bradley Cooper is the beast on display, right? But that's, that might be a metaphor. Or that might be literal.
0: Yeah, I'm not quite sure on that. Truly, I, I have a feeling that Willem Dafoe is gonna be a lot more of the villain, keeping, um, keeping him there in some kind of way. I, I really couldn't tell. It just, it looks know. interesting. It looks like very stylistically pleasing. So, I mean, I'd be willing to check this out, I think.
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be watching this one. Hopefully, I'm able to go to a movie theater by then.
0: That would be nice. I think that this would be a cool one to see. It looks like it's going to have a lot of twists and turns and a lot of big, interesting, you know, circus visuals that are will be even more grandiose and terrifying on a big screen.
1: Just like your favorite movie, Seamus, The Greatest Showman.
0: I actually love The Greatest Showman and I hate that I love it. It's is that a good movie? I can't tell, but I still love it so much and I, I I enjoy the that music too. Maybe I just like Hugh Jackman. I don't know.
1: I think maybe that's the secret because you definitely don't like P.T. Barnum because oh, he's no, like yeah. one of the worst men ever to live, but it's fine. <laughs>
0: like I went into that that's, movie knowing it... full well like that man is a actual monster. So I, I really removed it from the historical context.
1: Yeah, but this isn't the greatest showman episode. This is the Let's Talk About Halloween Kills in the News segment episode.
0: <laughs> Peak transitions. I love it. Halloween Kills. <laughs> <laughs> Halloween Kills is now announced to be releasing the same day as it's releasing in theaters on Peacock on October 15th.
1: So that means we'll probably cover it for the show, Seamus.
0: I. I'm kind of in. I I didn't get a chance to see the Danny McBride Halloween legacy sequel that came out uh, a couple years ago, but I heard it was fantastic. Halloween, I think the original, is one of the best classic horror movies up there, for sure, with, like, Nightmare on Elm Street. I think those two are, like, the absolute peak, and I wouldn't mind catching up on some of these sequels, Garrett. I did a little research uh, before the show, and Uh, End-to-end, watching all of the Halloween movies from the original to the Danny McBride one would take 17 hours and 8 minutes, and I don't think that's that bad of an undertaking.
1: That's chump. That's nothing. Right? We 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 could do that,
0: dude. I'm telling you.
1: The thing that's crazy to me about that, the idea of doing that is especially funny because the entire point of this new Halloween reboot thing. Is that (laughs) that only the first one matters? It's only the first one and then the new one and then this and then Halloween kills.
0: Oh yeah, I know. But I also I have been my whole life I've never seen it, but I've been fascinated by the idea of Halloween three, the season of the witch.
1: Oh, the one that doesn't have Michael Myers in it?
0: Yeah, that's like they attempted one they like snuck their they like dipped their toes into an anthology and immediately backtracked that I I heard it's not even that bad of a movie too. I, also, I've, I've, I've never seen enough of those sequels to really know what his deal is. Like, he's just a crazy kid who grew up to be, like, a supernatural monster. Like, he can survive getting shot and stabbed and impaled and thrown out of a window and just, like, walk it off.
1: I think maybe the new Halloween 2018, I think, maybe gets into that a little bit. Wait, would we also do the remakes in in your um Oh, uh, in
0: your absolutely, absolutely. Absolutely. The Rob Zombie ones, you know it, dude.
1: Yeah, I don't I mean, I know those get into it a lot, but I don't I don't know. I'm not steeped in the uh Halloween lore. I've only seen the original. I love John Carpenter. I mean, yeah, he's you know. The
0: first one's great. John Carpenter made sure of that obviously, and I like Jamie Lee Curtis a lot. She's a great horror movie victim is that a weird thing to say she's a great final girl in that movie of just like kind of still a badass even though she she's getting getting chased around
1: i was gonna say seamus i believe the preferred terms are either scream queen or final girl
0: (laughs) i do like scream queen i'll say that
1: her and her mama before you know
0: who is her mama before her
1: janet lee the most famous scream queen scream queen of them all like psychos janet lee
0: Oh my god, I didn't know that. Holy crap.
1: But, like Michael Myers, let's stand in one place for a really long time, and then suddenly be somewhere else. <laughs>
0: That's absolutely fantastic. Let's let's go somewhere else. Something akin to Home Alone 2? Lost in New York, perhaps?
1: Seamus... This new Hawkeye trailer, I can't believe I'm about to say this. <laughs> I am so excited for this show now. <laughs>
0: Dude, I the tone of this show is wildly different than what I thought it was going to
1: be and I
0: am super into it oh, too, I think. Yeah.
1: It's it's a Shane Black movie, but <laughs> yeah. not like Iron Man 3. It's like a, it's like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang but with Hawkeye. Like
0: wild. And I I kind of have some theories about why the hell this is suddenly like a family movie for some reason, or like a family show. Let Please. me hear them.
1: Let me hear your theories, Seamus.
0: Yeah, I just, I think Disney is like, we need to make Jeremy Renner look like he loves kids so he doesn't get canceled in his super crazy divorce stuff right now. And we've invested too much money into this Hawkeye show for it to be, like, canceled on arrival. So we need to make it look all happy and Christmasy with Jeremy Renner being, like, a good dad and... Being a being like a nice guy instead of like waving a gun around and stuff.
1: Well, they've put they've put Hawkeye back to what Hawkeye is best at, which is little little cute quips which matches tonally with this I think like oh this is some Christmas or whatever he says at the end like, right that's oh my god yeah fun
0: uh, that is fun. I, I, I miss that I kind love, of Hawkeye quippiness.
1: Yeah, I think I, I don't really like Civil War, but the moment when he shows up at the Avengers Tower or the Avengers complex or wherever they are in civil war and they're like, Hawkeye, what are you doing here? And he's like disappointing my kids. I think that's <laughs> that's real good. And I'm Yeah, I like that. For, that. for sure, for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 more interested in this Hawkeye show than I ever have been, even though I think I've expressed, you know, that I wanted to watch this on even on the show before, but now I like am pretty I'm pretty pumped.
1: I mean, I'm really excited about this. I like I just I really enjoy Christmas action adventure stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously me too. die hard. Is lethal very, we- is lethal weapon two. Me. I mean, lethal weapons. Yeah, whatever. I'm not a huge what? lethal weapon guy, but that's another uh, Shane Black. Yeah, so.
0: exactly. And yeah, that just vibe of action movie
1: Christmas is.
0: It's like two very joyous, bright, loud things kind of slamming into each other, and I think that works very well.
1: Also, Rockefeller Center Christmas tree action scene. Yes, please. Oh hell it yeah. Injected hell into yeah. My
0: eyeballs. <laughs> yes, dude. i I would. I would love to see some kind of. Ice skating, bow and arrow montage. I also loved seeing like the um the Molotov cocktail, break window, catch and throw back little maneuver oh. was very yeah. very choice.
1: Yeah, they're gonna make Hawkeye competent, which I don't necessarily <laughs> like, but it is interesting. No, um.
0: I feel like Hawkeye could like cross over with Falcon and the Winter Soldier at the end of it. You know, they're they're of the same like lifeline of like a lot more grounded. Hawkeye can be doing things and be the hero because it's not like a a Kang is on the other side of things. It's going to be like the Yakuza or whatever that are still angry that he killed him.
1: Yeah, I'm not really sure where this is going. Obviously, um they have all the Ronin stuff that they tease out in this trailer, mm-hmm. but I don't know if that's going to be a main villain plotline or if that's just going to be a setup for him and and Kate Bishop to find each other. Yeah, it kind of looks It
0: kind of looks like Kate Bishop is trying to take up the mantle of Ronin to like maybe mm-hmm. be a ruthless killer and you know Hawkeye's gonna help her find the spirit of Christmas and like become an Avenger and stuff and it'll
1: be it'll be great you think Santa Claus is finally gonna join the Avengers there
0: I mean I know Santa Claus is in the DC universe is he in the Marvel universe could we get real Santa Claus
1: I don't know that'd be pretty nice though I'd like that That'd be fun. I always thought it would be really cool to do a Iron Man-esque movie about a rich guy who decides to become Santa Claus and use a bunch of technology to do it.
0: That sounds like a Marvel one-shot after, like, Iron Man 3.
1: The kid from, the kid from Iron Man 3, he grew up to become Santa Claus.
0: <laughs> that kid? Santa Claus. I hope that kid becomes <laughs> something actual in the in the MCU. They'll, they'll have a plan for him, right?
1: They've got a plan for everything, Shamus. There's 18 Disney Plus shows in the works, and they're, oh, and they're God. all somehow about julia louis dreyfus Um,
0: (laughs) oh yeah that's she's the next thanos truly
1: (laughs) we've got one last piece of news though seamus and it's that taylor swift surprise dropped her taylor's version single of wildest dreams and despite the fact that her red taylor's version is the next album to be released wildest dreams is originally from the album 1989 so that's an interesting little t- twist there, probably due to the fact that I guess Wildest Dreams is going really big on TikTok right now, so she wants oh. a version out there for people to use.
0: Who's trying to capitalize on that—that that makes sense. I and that also shows that she is not really slowing down at all. She's probably got a lot of her future albums already in the works for her own versions, and that's you know that's pretty much what we like to see on on that.
1: Yeah. Um. I I, I liked this version. It sounded so much like the original. I thought like yeah, I think more even than anything that from Fearless did. But also, 1989 is so much more recent, so so much closer to her current style than. Fearless was that I feel like it makes sense that there's a little bit of less of a less of an audio disconnect there.
0: Yeah, I, I was kind of saying this when we covered the last the first Taylor's version album that it is just it's gonna be interesting as somebody who never really followed her music to see that evolution as it goes and that's kind of an interesting part of it is hearing the stuff that is catching up to the present and having it be you know so much less mixed and so much less disconnected from those originals it's it's a a cool experiment to see go
1: down yeah i'm excited to continue covering it and i'm also excited to talk about our main segment james wan's malignant
0: let's do it man
1: Today's main segment is the new James Wan horror film, Malignant, now in theaters and streaming on HBO Max. Seamus, what do you think of this movie?
0: I gotta say, man, I really loved what we saw the other day. It was... Uh, genuinely surprising like there were there were a lot of concepts that will be familiar to anybody that you know loves a good horror movie but it had enough twists and turns and you know very original thoughts and ideas in there that I could definitely easily say like impressed both of us when we were watching it so I I definitely recommend this one I, I think and I would maybe even say see it in a theater if you're comfortable with that I don't know if you know this isn't like another Saw movie from Juan it's original ideas so maybe less people will be inclined to go to the theaters but i also had a great time just watching it on your your Couch with you the other day.
1: Yeah, it's really a fascinating little piece of media here because it's not the kind of film that really gets made anymore. It's definitely a 80s, like straight to video horror schlock throwback. Oh, yeah. That Juan is putting his own spin on. Like, it still definitely feels like a James Wan movie if it were just cuckoo bananas. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. it's gory, it's weird, it doesn't really make sense. Sense, but it's so well executed, and it revels so much in the fact that it's stupid that it works. It just clicks.
0: Yeah, whatever it is about it, it's so I don't know. It's so, like you said, it's it's that 80s, 90s horror that you don't need it to be super overexplained. I guess to have that entertainment factor be you know more than present. I we were we were having a great time from start to finish. You know, trying to have fun with the classic stuff they were putting out there, and still like. Reveling in that weird, gory, like some truly unsettling images that going along with how they decided to to model the other, the big bad in this in this movie.
1: And immediately the movie starts off telling you that this is going to be a weird, dumb throwback because the genuinely terrible cold open to this movie is a like B movie asylum scene which is shot all green. Yeah, it looks like, yeah, yeah. Um, like what Hogarth watches. in... In the Iron Giant, it, uh, <laughs> yes, it me that vibe totally, like almost uh, Ed Woodian, you know? Yeah,
0: truly very over the top, and that yeah, no, that's some spoiler stuff, but just it rolls into itself so well. That intro into the like very similarly themed old school opening credits, right into the actual story. It's such a fun and kind of nostalgic feel for a movie that came out like a week ago. So I'm, um, I was very happy with
1: it was also really interesting and i'm assuming this is a, a intentional choice to not have a single actor that i really recognize in this film
0: yeah that was that was an interesting choice i think you know I really loved you know I didn't have a problem with anybody's performances really i don't think i i was pretty compelled by everybody i had favorites of the cast by the end of this movie and you know I think maybe the idea of having those bigger names would have just distracted from what this movie really is which is just a very good original story.
1: su Namun from The Mummy is in the <laughs> fold open in like two shots. Yeah, that and was... Like, we know who that is. And then... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, man, that's uh, that was a shock when you told me that one. That's that's a lot of fun. That was that was the most recognizable actor in the entire in the entire movie. It was it was totally worth it. That that's very fun.
1: But yeah, I it's not my favorite James Wan movie by any stretch of the imagination. But it's showing that he clearly is excited to be back working in the the horror genre and wanted to do something original. Wanted to do something that had roots in the kind of films that he clearly grew up loving. And we're gonna talk a little bit more about that during our pop culture reference but overall I had a really good time with this movie definitely glad I watched it with you I feel Mm -hmm. like I would not have had as much fun if I was just sitting alone watching it
0: yeah I I think so too this is for as much of a horror movie as this really is it's like it's got these I don't want to say like goofy but it's definitely got that bizarre factor it's funny yeah am I crazy it is a little funny to like be able to point out the insane things that are so out of the ordinary for a movie like this it's a lot of fun to watch with with a lot of people i think too or at least just somebody to like laugh with i guess
1: before we get into spoilers seamus did you think this movie was scary because we were watching it together and there were like two scenes where i felt like you and i had any tension and other than that we were enjoying the ride
0: (laughs) you know i think that the term slasher comes to my mind more than the more supernatural horror that james wan has been kind of on the train of for so long now between insidious and the Conjuring, and everything that that spawned, it's definitely less scary, I would say. It's still very rooted in horror, absolutely, but it's I think i we got, like, actually scared maybe once, and then everything else was just being, like, kind of cheering on what was happening. We were very happy to see a lot of the pretty gruesome stuff.
1: Yeah, it definitely has the pleasures of both a supernatural horror film and a slasher film, but isn't as scary as either of them usually are. Yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like we're dancing around so much right now I feel like we're just gonna have to break into spoilers especially because the spoilers in this film are so fun oh
0: absolutely the reveals are are the best and so yeah I guess this is the official threshold right here I I don't know where you want to start yeah where where, where are you thinking
1: twist of this movie is that the supernatural entity that you think is haunting this woman or and killing off all these people that she sees the uh the murders of like psychically is actually a tumor physically in her brain that was a like conjoined twin in the womb which is why she was in an asylum for so long as a child and that the killer is just her unconscious with a baby head sticking out of her <sighs> skull walking backwards really fast.
0: Yeah, I think that is some of the absolute best monster designing I've seen in a while the the freaky like bone cracking disjointed nature of having a, a head on the back of somebody's or a face on the back of somebody's head and then their limbs working backwards sprinting down like a fire escape it was it was unsettling to see to say the least. I think that was one of the best parts about that character in general.
1: 100% and it was definitely a twist that you and I you had it pegged earlier than I did but that you and I had pegged pretty early except we just didn't go far enough with how insane it was.
0: Yeah that's that's kind of what I loved about this reveal is that we were, we were on the right tracks. We were kind of going along with the movie and being a few steps ahead of it every time but then once we thought we had it down it was still unique enough and honestly disgusting enough that it was it was still completely satisfying to get that revealed to us
1: I'm trying to think about where even to start because I went into this movie thinking it was a haunted house movie because that's kind of what the advertising sells it as is this well, like, they they advertised really heavily her being in the bed and then the the killer like crawling over her they advertised that really cool top down dollhouse shot where you're oh, yeah. down both floors of the house at once yeah that was pretty killer I love that
0: they, they really set it up as that too in the intro there's like there's the stuff with the radio, we have the doctor being like, it's drinking the electricity, and like a lot of this, you know, the the supernatural powers in the end turned out to be very, very little. A lot of the supernatural powers that we thought were on screen were just the, the idea of having this, like, shared body, having this person in your own mind that is able to kind of warp it, when for the whole time it was like, oh, they're visions, it's a mental connection, there's some kind of psychic power that these two somewhat like somehow they're related these two people have the same powers and then they just kind of drop it except for like the radio voice right
1: yeah the electricity is the only thing that really is getting manipulated which i don't mind that i don't mind that this movie does i would rather it just be the way it is than them being like oh but here is all of the exact reasons why the experiments that we did on them gave them supernatural powers and and the electricity is born out of you know I mean, they imply, obviously, that it's some kind of electro thought shock therapy side effect. Oh, is that what?
0: I didn't actually well, pick I, that I... up.
1: Well, I mean, that's what I take away from. You mentioned, it's drinking the electricity. So that was <laughs> I guess, my yeah. takeaway was that it was able to overcharge or, stuff. Or, or whatever, oh yeah, I guess, I don't know. Because there's,
0: there's a whole other subplot going on about how our main character in this abusive uh, marriage is not able to carry a, a child to term. And then that turns into like, uh, Gregory? No, Gabriel is the name of the, <laughs> the thing is like absorbing the energy of of these fetuses to get stronger and that's kind of what i thought it was like they're trying to subdue it with the electricity but it's just like gaining it not necessarily gaining powers but just becoming stronger
1: what a stupid movie this is
0: yeah for as much as i kind of loved this movie it's nonsense i mean it makes no there's a <laughs> the big reveal moment too of the shot of them like and so it, obviously the only solution was to push the head into the bigger head and never talk about it again it's like what are you talking about what that's the solution
1: yeah it's I think you and I as people who love filmmaking and love deconstructing the way a film works we got more out of this in that one just the audacity of the narrative is so <laughs> insane to see in like it this contemporary setting that this is being set up as you know the new film from blockbuster director James Wan dude made Aquaman dude made a Fast and the Furious dude made the most successful horror franchise for the last 10 years and then he he's made two out of them. With this and also the craft on display of having toy box to play with of your horror tropes that he'll twist and subvert and build on and, and, and mess with our expectations i would love to know what somebody who isn't versed in the language of filmmaking in the in the backstory of of horror would have would have to say about this movie
0: yeah i would i would think that it's like we're kind of going along the lines of these tropes are always still going to be there because it is at its core a horror movie so I feel like the like us kind of being able to go along with it step by step and still be completely entertained means that if anybody is just going to want to feel comfortable in that old horror formula will be just absolutely blown away I think
1: totally and I think the standout sequence certainly for me and it's the one that you and I I think talked about the most during the film was when he's killing the second doctor the male doctor oh god yeah and He's, we're in this hotel room and it's just James Wan playing the chess match <laughs> of like, look at all the places that you know that this monster could be hiding, where the jump scares could be coming from. And the thing that makes James Wan, I think, stand out as a horror director is that, in a, like, we have such an over-reliance now on jump scares. Mm-hmm. And that Wan knows that and knows that modern audiences are programmed that way so that he induces t- Induces horror simply by promising a jump scare and then prolonging the anticipation of it.
0: Absolutely, that's exactly right. Like we were both every time they zoomed in on a dark corner, anytime there was a single spot that you know he was flippantly moving past without looking in the direction, we were like, huh, huh, huh. Like it was, it was so perfect the way he was able to fully anticipate and, like you said, just like play with those expectations and then in the end finally getting like uh like finishing that sequence off with that just bloody slaying like we get what we paid for and we still get that extra fun long ride of that slow burn it's it's very well done Uh, and all with like the the silver cup apartment sign like with the flashing red neon and the 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 just set design of this like fancy apartment against the building dread is just very very well done
1: and that sequence actually technically ends without him getting killed, without any kind of scare, because oh, we cut back right. to our, our our main character. <laughs> I'm and thinking then she of, has the... The yes. of the vision of the act. But I think we could talk about this movie for hours. To be honest, I think it's just such a fascinating little oddity, and I really enjoyed that James Wan wanted to make this weird film this weird throwback retro schlock, but do it in his style because it is definitely like set up like a conjuring film. Oh yeah. The house looks like the houses for the conjuring films. But he also has a lot of like there's a lot of Sam Raimi, there's a lot of John Carpenter in the direction. He's kind of quoting those filmmakers. For
0: sure, man, for sure. And I I think that I I just want to give before we you know I, I have in my mind just that the idea of having a killer with a distinctive weapon is something that to me is always like it creates that icon. The The creature becomes the weapon and vice versa. And we get this kind of recognizability, which makes me want to have more. I know I like I don't want <laughs> every like good James Wan horror movie to just then be exploded with a thousand sequels that cheapen it, but the way they set this up in that classic 80s style, in that Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the 13th of, like, you will see this thing again. It it makes me want to see that thing again, and maybe that's just fun mind trick stuff that'll get me to like go to a theater to see the sequel but i it was just a very fun it was fun enough of a time that i i would love to go see a, a sequel in a theater
1: yeah they definitely left it open for one and i think the premise is original enough and fun enough of i, I think you described it as at the end when the killer is john wicking their way through the entire <laughs> precinct of policemen oh yes I Yeah, I think definitely a sequel would be on the horizon. I have no idea how this is doing box office wise. I would imagine people would watch this on HBO Max. You know, James Wan, he's a popular director like we were talking about earlier. I mm-hmm. think people know that name and are interested in following his work.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'll be happy to see, I already forgot his name. I'll be happy to see Gabriel again. And I'm sure with however many sequels we'll see kind of an expansion on the psychic stuff. I'm sure he'll... Maybe get his own body at some point, I assume, will be a way to further that. And
1: Oh, um, interesting trivia that we kind of talked about but didn't all the way. So, James Wan's wife co-wrote this film with him and, an, and another screenwriter. She's also in the film. Yes, that's uh, right. As a little, like coroner part who has a flirtatious <laughs> relationship with Detective Badshirt. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, the the quirky like, crime scene coroner. She's fun. I like her. I really, really thought they were going to like slay her brutally, but she survives it all. It's like one of three surviving police officers in Seattle.
1: Yeah, but then I found out I was looking it up after the fact I was on IMDb, and I also found out that the mother, the that we see in the flashbacks, so like the young fifteen-year-old. Oh, sure, mother doing doing the medical interviews and Andy, stuff. Is um the the little girl from the second Conjuring? No Bill, way, Bill, Bill, Bill Wilkins.
0: What? No way! Holy God! How many years ago was the Conjuring two? That's like an adult woman in this movie.
1: Well, I mean, she's what, probably fifteen in the Conjuring two. Really? I thought maybe. Oh, I guess maybe. And I guess she was like five years ago, maybe.
0: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. And I guess the role she's playing in this one is like a very young mother as well. So I guess that kind of clocks.
1: But Yeah, check out this movie if you are interested in in horror. If you're interested in watching James Wan just absolutely have a blast.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you can... Exactly. You can tell that he... Like, this was a project for him that he cared about in a way that was, like, just uh, in the purest form of having fun creating something. He, he knew what he was doing every step of the
1: way, and it, it works perfectly. But shall we move on to our pop culture reference of the episode, Seamus?
0: We shall, Garrett. Let's do it.
1: Today's pop culture reference is Giallo Horror. Giallo horror is a specifically Italian form of thriller story that can often be boiled down further into subgenres like slasher, crime fiction, psychological thriller, psychological horror, sex exploitation, and less frequently supernatural horror. With the literal translation of giallo from Italian to English being yellow, this type of horror is named after the yellow covers of the prolific thriller, crime, and mystery novels that started being published in 1929.
0: As a notable influence on modern American slasher films, giallo horror often had a killer with a shrouded identity that would be dramatically revealed in the third act of the story. Because of the broad, genre-bending nature of these films, some of the only other consistent themes throughout giallo horror are the inclusion of a detective investigation element and an overabundance of specifically bloody horror.
1: The bold color choices Grandiose cinematography and purposefully disjointed sounding score of Giallo horror can all be seen as a major influence on this week's main segment, Malignant.
0: One of my personal favorite uh on the Giallo horror list is definitely Don't Look Now. That was one I saw in my early uh, film school career at the Union Cinema here, and it was there it's just absolutely bizarre stuff. Yeah, Don't Look Now with Donald Sutherland and absolutely bizarre and enthralling example of what giallo horror can be where the cinematography is is laid out in a way that is entirely bizarre looking that gives you more of like a uneasy feeling a lot of the times and then also uh the lots of twists shrouded killers things that are are teased out throughout an entire film with the with the biggest emphasis on mystery
1: Yeah, I think this is a really interesting kind of pocket of horror, thriller, genre, history that has obviously a very wide breadth of influence on modern media. And it's something definitely that I'm not super well-versed, in, but I'm very interested in learning more about. But I think we should move on, Seamus, to Save the Rec Center.
0: Yeah, man, let's do it. Now it's time to Save the Rec Center, where we give you our weekly recommendations. What do you got this week, Garrett?
1: Well, this week it was the end of an era as Brooklyn Nine-Nine aired its series finale on NBC, uh, a show that has been one of my favorites over the last several years. This last season got off to kind of a rocky start, where they were kind of clumsily trying to address some of the controversies and cultural shifts around police work uh, that's happened over the last few years. And I think by the end of the season, they'd actually found a really good groove and meaningfully addressed it in complex ways that were true to their characters. And the finale delivered what I would consider to be a genuinely meaningful, strong conclusion to all of those characters' stories, uh, if being a little bit, you know, Ray, remember this? So... I like Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I don't know how it would feel to go back and start it from the beginning, but I was very impressed with how they finally stuck the landing and my... So I guess my rec setter in general is Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and if you've fallen off of it, if you've only watched a couple seasons, I say it is worth going the rest of the way through. The last couple seasons, there definitely has been a lull since they moved to NBC, uh, not being sure exactly what to do with all of the characters, but Overall, I still think it's just one of the tightest written sitcoms ever that has genuine ideas about how to keep their characters evolving, growing, interesting. It's effortlessly diverse and deals with like genuinely difficult topics that a lot of sitcoms steer away from. Plus, it's really funny.
0: Yeah that advice honestly sounds like it's directed exactly towards me. I I started the first couple seasons and really loved it, but you know, never really kept up with it for whatever reason. I guess I just, you know, I took other priorities, but I'm glad to know that they really did come through in the end and wrap it up with a little bit of a point to it. I is from kind of what I'm hearing and a lot of the other stuff I'm seeing not just your um view on this people are saying like it was really satisfying and a good way to go out so maybe i will maybe i'll go back and start it from one actually give it an earnest try all the way through i mean now that it's wrapped up i think maybe that'll go up there with my regular uh roster of like old nbc comedies that i usually put on
1: it's definitely it feels like the good place was like the logical conclusion to all of the great NBC comedies. <laughs> right. And Brooklyn Nine-Nine feels like it's in this weird zone where it's the spiritual successor to all of those things, especially considering the fact that it spent so much of its life on Fox. Mm. You know? yeah. But it's got so many of the same creative team, Michael Schur, Dan Goor, um, a lot of the same writers and actors. So it definitely fits in with all, you know, I know you're talking about, but for our audience uh, at home... 30 Rock, Parks and Rec, The Office, Community, The Good Place. All of these exceptional sitcoms that broke new ground. And I think Brooklyn Nine definitely deserves a place with those. Right on, right on. But what do you have, James?
0: Well, I'm keeping it in the spooky theme. I'm actually keeping it in the James Wan theme as well. I'm I'm dying to rewatch... The first three Saw movies, I know that isn't necessarily your cup of tea, Garrett, but the first three, before they go off the rails, absolutely fantastic horror work, like truly disturbing stuff, and the acting that goes into it isn't so absolutely over-the-top ridiculous yet, and the, the traps themselves are still interesting without being, like, genuinely stupid. Carrie Elway's is up in that first when he's like the main character, which is weird to see him in that kind of role. I don't know. If it's been a while, check him out again. If you've never seen him, try to try to separate the first few from the kind of legacy of stupidity that maybe the later ones get into, just like the the bloatedness of the franchise itself at this point. But those first original ones are absolutely choice.
1: Well, you know, after my relatively newfound appreciation for James Wan as a director. And I love Carrie Always and I really like Lee Wannell now, now that he's done. I really enjoyed The Invisible Man. So I think I would definitely be willing to to dive in and at least try out the first Saw movie.
0: Yeah, man, the first one especially is, like, an actual very well-done film. Definitely they, they start to go a little wilder as they go, but even the second one is, like... Genuinely scary. There's a lot of crazy, and again, kind of going back to that. There's a detective side story. There's a there's a lot more bloody horror side of the story, along with the kind of the other themes that we've been seeing in like Malignant.
1: Well, I'm definitely disappointed. I know the uh, some of the twists and turns from the first. Oh yeah, you already the, do. You know cultural it's, osmosis, right? It's been so, twenty years. Yeah, that's part of the reason I think I've avoided it to be honest until now because I know I feel like I get it, but. I think James Wan is such an interesting director that I, I'm very inter- I would be interested to go back and see kind of how he started that out.
0: Yeah, man. Let's let's hit it up together. We'll we'll watch a guy saw his foot off. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. Sounds like a great time. Sounds like a- <laughs> definitely you're right. Ex- actually it's exactly my cup of tea. Shay, yeah. it's exactly yeah. the kind of thing I look for <laughs> in that films.
0: But I think that wraps it up this week for the show. If you want to reach us on social media, you can use at PCR underscore podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok. And if you want to send any comments, questions, or suggestions to the show directly, you can email us at popculturereferencepod at gmail.com.
1: Next week, we're going to be starting our three-week Daniel Craig bond Athon, So that's going to be pretty exciting coming up. We're doing Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace next week, Skyfall and Spectre the week after that, and then we have on the schedule to do No Time to Die. James, we're gonna have to navigate how we wanna how we wanna figure that out if we're gonna be comfortable yeah. on October whatever eighth to go see it.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what's going on at that point. But I'm I'm definitely excited to talk uh, Bond with you next week, man. It's gonna be great.
1: It's going to be a wonderful little double feature for us. I haven't seen those yes. movies in years. Oh yeah, me too. Any it's of been Craig Bonds.
0: it's been ages for those early ones for sure.
1: So I'm I'm excited. All right, well, you and I will have a wonderful time and I'm sure we'll have a wonderful time talking about them on the show.
0: Sounds great, man.
1: Until then though, we'll see you next week.
0: Adiós, amigos.